to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome campers to this week's Fireside Chat. Just a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll get to this week's guest. Patreon.com slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. Choose the tier that best suits your preferences, and get access to exclusive and discounted merch, behind-the-scenes looks at the writing and editing process, two weekly shows, Lights Out, which is an exploration of short horror, and Midweek Weird, a 40 and News update. We have a couple of bigger monthly shows in the works as well. Now, in addition to all of this, you can get monthly swag bags filled with cool campfire merch. So what are you waiting for? If you want the whole world to know that you're a diehard camper, go find the link in this episode's description or go through our link tree on any of our socials and check out our merch store. Stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, all with the fantastic design work by Jonathan Dodd, Easton Hawk, and the Crescent Hair. While you're in that link tree, tap on the Discord button and come join the community that we're building. Our Discord is a place where we can connect with all of you on a more personal level. So get over there and join the fun. And now to this week's guest. Lady Anne Celine is a Reiki master and an intuitive tarot reader. She's the owner of KPNL Radio and the host of the Caravan Library of Lore podcast. She's had an amazing life filled with otherworldly experiences. Earlier this year, she released her first book titled Aperture in the Veil, Born in a Preternatural World. The book is packed with the spooky stories and bizarre happenings that seem to have followed her from her earliest memory. But at its core, it's a truly beautiful coming-of-age story. Don't miss it. But above all those accolades, Anne has become a friend. Now I can think of very few things that are more a cause for celebration than the opportunity to sit down with a friend. So here it is. Enjoy it. All right, Lady Anne, thank you so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to be here. I'm really excited. Awesome. I'm Ever since we um, we joined the KPNL family, if you will, <laughs> um, yes, I've I've been wanting to to have you on the show, so I'm super excited that we're finally making that oh happen. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to be here. This is this is a treat. <laughs> so, is like when you mm-hmm. refer to the book, do you include mm-hmm. the diaries of Lady Anne in the title? No, typically I just. Aperture in the Veil, born in a preternatural world. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So, <laughs> I I thoroughly enjoyed the book a lot. Aww, I'm. Thank you. It's um, essentially it's like your coming of age story in this like mm-hmm. world surrounded by all these experiences that you had. Right. Coming up and and to this day, right? Mm-hmm. And it's beautifully written, but like. More than that, it's it's like packed with fantastic stories. So I definitely like to hear some of those stories today. Of course. <laughs> so 
I figured we could just start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've had interactions from, like, a very young age, right? Right. So, basically, just how did all this start for you? Well, uh, I think that it all... I mean, my very first memory is where I'll say that it all began. Because it was such a powerful moment. You know, I remember I was only about a year old. So my dad was, you know, he was still working. Um, he wasn't, you know, into the antique business quite yet and running all the, the postcard shows that he did. He was, um, I think he was working at a machine shop at the time. So he had to get a babysitter really, you know, early in the morning. So he takes me over there and he puts me in front of this big, beautiful picture window. So it it's overlooking this vast farm field and it was all flooded, and I remember seeing the, the sun rising colors, you know, the oranges and the pinks and the gold. And as I sat there, I remember thinking, wow, I came back. And, and that moment has always stayed with me, you know, and, and from there, you know, I remember being in my crib and looking through the slats. And as I'm looking through these, and I'm looking down the hallway, I can see these dark shadow entities. Um, a lot of them were more of your cloaked hooded figures, so it, it just it looked like a monk. You know, there was no... you couldn't really tell physically when you looked at it if it was male or female, but it did tend to have more of that male energy to it. Right. Um, but, you know, and then, let's see, gosh, I mean, knowing, you know, as you get older, and then you start going to different uh, churches and stuff, because I went with a lot of my friends, yeah, and I had different family members, and you really realize that, wait a second, I've known about reincarnation since my very first memory. Yeah. And, and that always really stuck with me. So, of course, I wanted to find out more. And so I, I always had that really, you know, open mind. And I tried to talk to people about it because I thought, man, that's such a, a weird experience. And then to have people be like, no, you know, you're probably misremembering or you're making that up. You know, of course, you know, it has the opposite effect where you're sitting there going, no, no, wait, no, I know. Right. You know, but then I would say jumping up to when I was 10 uh, and, and I wrote about this in the book um, I and it, it was one of um, the harder stories actually to write because I realized that you know when you're writing you're reliving everything yeah. because you really want to create that theater of the mind you're wanting to pull people in well it you know we were going to another postcard show, and we were driving um, up to Spokane, Washington. And I was sitting in the passenger seat, and I remember, you know, it was still early, and I was tired. So I put my pillow, you know, on my side, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to sleep until we get there. I think there was only like an hour, maybe an hour, hour and a half left of the drive. So I'm, I'm laying there, and I close my eyes. But all I can see is the, the intro to this movie. It was called Fly Away Home. And in the entry, or the, you know, the very beginning, 
boom, they get in a car wreck, the mom dies, and, and the kid is left behind. And I can't get that out of my head. So I sit up and I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be thinking about this. this. That's weird. You know, we're in a car and that's kind yeah. of scary. And that's when I heard, you know, it sounded like a gunshot. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I, I'm looking at my dad. He's fighting the, the steering wheel. And uh, <clears throat> the next thing I know, what I didn't realize at the time is everything went black. But what had happened is my dad actually threw himself on top of me. And we were in a Ford Ranger. Uh, and it flipped twice. Luckily, it landed up on all four wheels. And uh, him saving me really saved him. Because when he went to sit up, the, the roof was um, caved in quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, from this experience... I really went down the path of, you know, psychic abilities. Right. Uh, what are those? Was that this? And then, of course, you deal with guilt because you're going, well, if it was this, and if I would have said, hey, can you pull over? I feel sick. You know, maybe we would have been going slower when it popped, or maybe we would have been completely stopped, you know? Um, sure. So it was when you combined those three things... Knowing that you're, you know, reincarnated, seeing shadow entities, predicting a car wreck, <laughs> you're like, you just become submerged in this field and it, and it, yeah. and it's just become my entire life. And I, I don't know what it would be like to not have all of these experiences, you know? Yeah. I see. I always wonder for people who have these experiences at a young age when it's happening like when you when you were that young did you understand how different that was than the experience the rest of us were having no no that was the thing is that it was normal to me yeah you know and yeah i mean, I mean of course you know the tv shows that i would kind of gravitate to and I mean, I remember being really little being super excited to hear about harry houdini you know and yeah um I remember learning about the spiritualist movement and how, you know, she was trying to contact him after he died. And I, mm -hmm. you know, and of course that goes into another uh, story in the book where here I am really little and I'm watching this. So I trot downstairs to my grandpa. Hey, grandpa, when you die, will you come back and say hi to me? <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> there were a lot of things like that, that my parents were just kind of like, um, Sure. You know, right. like, where did that come from? <laughs> but uh, but from there, Grandpa told me the very first ghost story that I had heard uh, within the family. And that was when he, um, we went up to Milton Freewater, which is where um, they were from. And we would visit, you know, his parents and I'd visit my sister uh, and everything. Well, she, his mom had passed away. So the funeral was up there. And we go and we're staying the night the day before. And I didn't know that this happened until I was much older. But Grandpa was laying in bed and he and he's just woken up in the middle of the night. And he's looking at the end of his bed and he can see this form. It, it just begins. And, and it's, it's this human-like form. It's like a, 
a mist, if you will. And he knew, he just knew instinctively that was his mom. And there was that feeling of peace. And uh, she was coming to say goodbye. So, I mean, you know. And yeah, then, those, those stories mm-hmm. are beautiful. They really are. They really are, you know. And then later on in 2011, after um, my grandpa had passed away, I had a dream. And in my dream, he had come to me, and I knew it was him. He had given me some information that uh, I went and talked to my folks about, uh, and they confirmed it. So here again, um, he did. He did get to say goodbye. So, yeah. Oh, good. He kept his word. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he yeah. did. That's for yeah. sure. That's nice. I'm mm-hmm. Kids... I, on the vein of like you saying things that like kind of take your parents aback. Um, <laughs> yes. My kids said some of the strangest stuff when they were young, like Ooh. things that made me like, you know, that gave me pause. Like um, my daughter, when she was like, she couldn't have been four years old yet. Like it was definitely mm-hmm. before school. She just like walked up to my wife and I one night and she was like, you know, eventually I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'll be back. Wow. And I'm like, um, oh. first off, super dark, dear. <laughs> You're like four years yeah. old. Super yeah. dark. Right. But like, you know, a lot of people talk about how children, especially in that first few years of life, they're so close to the source point, right? Right, right. That that they there are things that fade as as you grow, right? Mm-hmm. And like the closer you are to that source point, same with people who are like at the end of life, they start yes. to see things and they start to you know they're getting close to that source point again, right? Um, I think it's <laughs> awesome that you can remember some of that. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of it seems to fade for people over time. Right. The fact that you have that memory sitting in front of, you know, watching the sunset reflect on this floodplain. Mm. Right. And like, and that you remember thinking about these things that I don't think you're probably even supposed to remember. You know what I <laughs> right. mean? Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, I've always been really grateful for it, you know, and, and I felt I, I feel that possibly the reason I do remember so well is because the stuff never stopped. Right. You know, and then, you know, with my book, right? So Aperture in the Veil. I, You know, Aperture is a word that I chose because both of my parents were into photography. And it's a lot better than saying the word opening in the veil. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, there's that thought that when we reincarnate and, and and we're coming through back to here that we pass through this, this veil and we come into this great forgetting. But what would happen if there was an opening in the veil? Would you retain that information? You know, because I also grew up with a lot of past life memories. They would they would come to me in dreams. And they were real. Like you know, very, yeah. very vivid, um, I have this one where I was a soldier and I and I still haven't figured out where this was 
but you know, I, I remember standing there and I was looking out this window and everything was just crumbling and, and it was like the stones were this I mean, everything it was almost like I was seeing in black and white. And the room that I was in was really small. There was there was just a small bed over to my right. There was the window right in front of me, and then there was this round table with a big tablecloth over it. And I'm standing there, and even my uniform seems to be like a gray-green kind of a color. Um, but somebody busts in the door, and I got shot in the back. And I, I mean, I could feel it. Every single time I had this dream, I could feel it and it knocked the wind out of me. And, um, you know, so here I'm knocked to the ground. And I decide, okay, I need to just crawl to the table and I can just lay there and I'll look dead. You know, and they'll leave and then I'll try to get up and, and save myself. But I ended up dying. Yeah. So. That's Yeah, that's power. And how old were you when you were having these dreams? Oh. Gosh, that had to start like around seven. Wow. Yeah. That's that's intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it really is. It, you know, and that's definitely one that's always stuck with me as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's man. I can't get it. That's a lot for a kid to handle and process. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It, I mean, growing up, I definitely felt like I was separate from. My friends, you know, especially when I was 15, and I think I mentioned this in the book as well, that, you know, here I was going to healing group, and, you know, we're talking about quantum mechanics and and all this kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go to school, and the conversation is boys, or, you know, like, the next cheerleading, you know, event, or whatever, but you're sitting there trying to, like, process you know, what is it, sacred geometry and, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. It was just, like, two completely different worlds, so yeah, it, it was a lot. Did you find, like, your person in school at that age? Like, did was there anyone that you were able to connect with on on that level? Um... Like, outside of your, your group? Well, I would say that it's... I had a best friend, and she's still my best friend today. But she does not get into any of this stuff. And I always felt bad because, and I mentioned her in the book, she has had experiences alongside of me. And usually when I do have a friend or a significant other, they have experiences with me. I've actually right. had people break up with me because of it. Oh, wow. um, and Because it, it does. It gets intense, you know, whether it's, you know... <laughs> stuff flying off of a a shelf or uh, you know the top of the dresser or what have you or seeing a shadow entity that darts out of the corner of your eye um, or whether it's you know my sensitivities you know being like like I could call somebody that I'm with and be like hey I was feeling this and I'm not really sure and I just wanted to check in with you you know and And all of a sudden they're like, uh, actually, this is what just happened. But even though it's cool, sometimes they tend to go, am I going to have any privacy? Right. Yeah. And then I'm just kind of like, I'm, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't... Because I'm not actively trying to get into their brain or or anything. I could be, you know, making a sandwich for the kids, and then all of a sudden something comes over me. Yeah. And, you know, so so it can... It's definitely a, you know, a different kind of a world. Yeah, I, I could see from... You know, from their perspective, that feeling like a little bit invasive. You know what I mean? Yes. Even though it isn't like purposeful, it like right. it would be a little, I don't know, a little unsettling to realize like, oh, someone knows. Yes, you know, they oh, just oh, know man. what's going on, whether I choose to share it or not. Oh, when I let me tell you, when I went to healing group when I was fifteen, one of the very first lessons that I learned is there are no secrets from the universe. And that was a hard pill to swallow at 15. Because then you realize, wait a second, there isn't anything. Like, there's, it's all out there. Right. You know? And so it can definitely be... I remember with my sister, and I wrote about this in the book too, I had gotten into remote viewing. And I didn't tell her that that's what I was doing. I said, hey, can I try this experiment with you? Yeah. And she was like, sure. And I'm like, okay. And I start describing these things that are coming into my mind. Because I've got my eyes closed and I'm trying to focus on wherever she is. Um, and I start describing everything that's around her. And I see this this black panther sculpture. And those were pretty popular back then. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> What it was is this: there was this panther sculpture that was the base of a table that our grandmother had just bought for her. I didn't know about it. I had not visited her in that house yet. I didn't know the outlay of things. I mean, because here again, we were talking on a landline phone. And yeah. we wrote, you know, letters to each other. Um, and her, her reaction, she was floored. She was scared. And then she demanded, don't you ever do that again unless you ask for my permission. And I was like, no, no, of course, of course. And, you know, so you don't, and that's the thing is I don't do anything without anybody's permission. Even when I'm doing intuitive tarot readings, um, even though they've come to me and said, okay, I want my, my tarot read. I go, okay. So just to clarify, you're giving me permission to do this, you know. And right. Then, um. But, you know, like we were just saying, at the same time, some things just kind of come out of nowhere and slap you in the face. And then you're going, what do I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then there's like a sort of weight, like um, mm -hmm. like a situation where you know that your friend is struggling like with mental health stuff. You feel like right. almost part of you feels obligated to reach out, you know, mm -hmm. and be like, are you OK? Is there anything I can do to help? And then, you know, that can yeah. lead to that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. It does. And I can't remember, uh, it may sound funny, but I can't remember if I wrote about that part in the book. Um, I thought that I did, but I had a friend who he had went to uh, Afghanistan and I had met him when he came back. And I remember feeling that something was missing. It was different. Um, it didn't, it, it just didn't feel like him anymore. And when I left, I remember I called my sister and I said, I, I feel like I want to try to give him help or something or 
but I'm not sure how and what if that's the last time I ever see him. Yeah. But at the same time, I have anxiety and I know that I over worry. So, I, you know, I was thought, well, maybe you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, so we texted for, you know, a couple months afterwards and things seemed fine. Um, then all of a sudden for uh, several days, there was just that huge pull to reach out to him. But I wasn't sure why. I mean, you know, I, I liked him at the time and, and he, you know, he was some, he was my very first boyfriend I ever had and we yeah. had stayed connected this whole time. Well... I I thought, okay, well, maybe you're just super wanting to see him or whatever. But, you know, I was afraid of rejection. And there's all these things going through my mind. And then finally, um, I was like, okay, today is the day. I have to do it no matter what. Like, I'm I'm listening to this intuition. I'm doing it. <clears throat> and then I, I went to. Um, but I was an hour too late. He had shot himself so it was something that I you know that was back in 2020 Um, it's hard it's hard because there again you know learning discernment how do you know how do you know these gifts you know and that was I think something else that I really went through too because I you know here I tell people listen to your instincts and listen to your intuition and work on that and build on that but in that moment, I feel like I didn't listen accurately to mine. Yeah. So it's yeah, that's it, it's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Um, I feel like having that ability along with anxiety mm-hmm. is probably. I mean, I can't imagine because the the biggest thing that I struggle with with anxiety is the constant second guessing yes like you're you're constantly Mm -hmm. wondering like like you were saying am i making a mountain out of a molehill you're constantly like well people tell me i'm crazy is this an example of that you know right oh Um, yeah yeah so i I can't imagine those two things together you know exactly like you know this past weekend i was with my sister and we were walking in downtown, you know, it, I mean, it wasn't like downtown Portland, but it was, you know, it was a town and uh, one of the one of the bigger uh, cities around here. And uh, it was interesting because we're walking down the road and something drew my attention of this man who was walking towards us. And it was like the alarm bells just went off and he beelines for us. But right in a way where we walk past him and he ends up behind us. But I feel like I'm about to get pounced on. Yeah. And so I pulled her off the side of the sidewalk and I was like, hey, wait a second, you know. And it was like I I was just, you know, saying I need to tie my shoe or something like that. Right. He walks past us. But after he walks past us and we get back on the road, I'm watching him. And he takes this weird path. To, he, to where he was watching us. You could see him watching us from the corner of his eye. And he tried to get behind us again. Ugh. And I knew, I just knew that, because uh, we had just gotten a, we went into a D&D store. Yeah. And she got this really cool bag, a bag of holding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got some dice and everything. And, and so she's holding this bag 
And uh, I think it just made us targets, you know, two chicks yeah. with a big bag and and everything and being in that part of town. Well, um, when he tried to get behind us again, that's when we kind of darted down a different alleyway, you know, and ducked, yeah. you know, through things and, and got away. But again, it was like, OK, well, that time I listened. Yeah. And we were fine, you know, but it, yeah. it's. It can be hard. I like how all this wild stuff we've talked about, and the first time <laughs> I've seen you look even mildly embarrassed was when you had to admit that you went into a D&D store. <laughs> I am, a, you know, <laughs> I I am a big, uh, I like D&D. I was, um, I played WoW for years. I actually even yeah. built a computer back in 2005 just to play it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that, uh, I think that's kind of a hidden lady in fact, if you will. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No, I, I'm a big D&D person too. And I love it. I will say, I will say that's every rogue's dream is to accidentally steal a bag of holding. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I love it. I love it. That was so good. Well, and here's the other crazy thing. Like, as we were going down, because we went to the Stevie Nicks concert that was on Friday night. Yeah. And, you know, my sister and I, here again, we never grew up around each other or anything like that. So we never took any road trips. Well, as we're going down the road, I'm seeing different signs that remind me of runes. So, like, there was one license plate that had, uh, and I don't know how to say it, but Lagaz is how I'd L-A-G-A-Z. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, road runes, <laughs> you know? So then yeah. we're, like, reading these signs and everything. And and what was so crazy about that is that we're walking along, and it said rune, I think it was, like, rune and board this way. And we're like, road runes, we got to do it, you know? So, yeah. boom, we go down there, and it's this big old D&D store. And what was so crazy, too, is there's a girl in there that I went to school with. We used to ride the bus together. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, is that her? And I waited for a while, and then I, you know, I went up to her, and I'm like, I'm sorry, ma'am. Are you Megan? And she was <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, you know? And so, yeah. and I mean... It was, it, that day was just incredible. Like, just the way that the universe, you know, directed us around. So, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, going back to your teen years. Um, <laughs> yes. You were like, what, 16, 17, a pretty young woman when you started doing search and rescue, right? Yes. Mm hmm. Can you, like, share a story from that time period? Yeah. So. Search and Rescue was, was an odd one for me. Um, I, I began when I was, uh, you know, it was about between 16 and 17. The very first case that I went on was a murder scene. Uh, we were just, you know, there to... Bod the body was gone, but not, there, no evidence or anything had been cleaned up yet because we needed to sweep the area for any other kind of, you know, clues or what have you. Um... The feeling, the energy left over from that was really intense. And I remember having a bit of a hard time with it. But <clears throat> murder scenes were not something that was, you know, 
the majority of, of search and rescue. <laughs> so yeah. it was like, okay, okay, well, we'll get past this. And then the rest of the searches were, I mean, you know, somebody out mushroom picking and they get lost or, you know, yeah. somebody went for a walk and he got turned around. No big deal. Something very Pacific Northwest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's so true. And yeah. and everything usually ended up pretty good. We'd find them and, you know, and, and they might have been a little banged up, but not too terrible, more cold and wet than anything else. Right. Um, but it was the last case that I went on. I mean, that was the last case because what was so strange is we, there was a man who went hunting with a co-worker and the co-worker's son. According to those two, he thought that the campsite, he was standing there and he goes, no, the campsite's this way. And they were like, no, let's just go around and, and go on this, this clear path. And he's like, it's straight through this way. So they split up. Which, of course, you never want to split the party. And, I mean, they go. They get to the to the PLS point last scene. He never arrives. Well, they finally called out search and rescue... And that one, I, just, I was not on the ground. I was not searching with, with them. I was the one that was putting everything on the map, like mm -hmm. everything that we found. <clears throat> well, I went with another officer, and we went to the campsite. And the feeling was so... I've never... I've never felt that feeling before. It was, it was weird. It was like, um... An, an overlap of time or something. Like, I, I can't really... I don't know the words to describe it. But at the same time, when I was standing there with this officer, we stop and you can hear voices. Now, we know where we have everybody stationed. There was nobody there. We were the only ones. And I know that voices can carry in the woods and all that, but still not there. We wouldn't have heard yeah. what we heard there. And... Here, here, here's this grown man who, who's been in, you know, an officer for however long. And the look on his face, he was scared. He was like, get in the car. And boom, you know, I get in the car and we like, we hightailed it out of there immediately. Yeah. Um, but from that moment, you know, I remember going back to um, the yurt thing and... I remember replaying the people's story and and nothing it just didn't add up it just didn't feel right it just never felt right for him to just disappear and without a trace yeah. like there like the stuff that we were finding was just humans in the forest stuff this wasn't like specifically from him it made no yeah. sense and, um, you know, and then I was there when they had to call it off and they called in his wife to say, you know, we're sorry, but this is, you know, this is the end. And, wow. um, they have done, um, segments on the news during, you know, like the anniversaries of, of how long it's been since he's been missing. And 
it just really chilled me to the bone and I was just like I I don't want to be a part of that I don't want to, it was it felt like it was too close to something um, I just didn't like the energy and so yeah. yeah and that was the last the last one you ever went on mm-hmm Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, right before that we had went on this one search for a guy who, he was, I mean, it was, there were, I don't know, how do, how do I want to say it? <laughs> um, <laughs> he was into drugs and he went off into the woods and he was going through withdrawals and he was armed with, you know, he had a, a big gun and I remember some of the other people saying, so what are we supposed to do when we find him? Run the other way? Like, right. it was terrifying. And we're a bunch of kids out there looking for this man. And, yeah. I mean, you do sign a waiver at the very beginning when you before you, you know, start your, your course that you know that by doing this you can die. Right. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty intense little run that I had. And I was thinking about going and moving over into the police force. But, you know, taking the postmortem classes, it was just kind of like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, yeah. Too much. Too much. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so before we go, if you could just tell the audience where to find you, anything you're working on that you know, that they can look forward to. Okay. Yeah. So if you're interested in KPNL radio, uh, you can type in KPNL on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and it'll come up immediately. The website is KPNL dash DB at, um, or com, And, uh, if you want to email me, KPNL radio at gmail.com. Um, I am under Ann Celine on Facebook. So, you know, feel free to send me a friend request there. Uh, the Caravan Library of Lore is my podcast. So there again, um, just the Caravan of Lore, and it'll pop up on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, Caravan of Lore is the website. Um, yeah, and then I did sign for that second book, Paramorphosis. So that should be coming out uh, February-ish next year. Excellent. Also, <laughs> if you'd like to... You know, get to any of those spots. You'll find all of the links in the description of the episode. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. I can't wait to come back. Excellent. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T O T S A U on Twitter 
And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.